Welcome to Soul of Seton, uh, a brand new podcast this semester coming to you from Seton Hall Campus Ministry. Um, really liking the feedback we're getting on the podcast, so please keep sharing the links. Um, we appreciate all the support. Uh, it's been a good endeavor. It's a very simple concept. We sit down and we talk to smart people, smart sem- uh, smart priests, smart faculty here from the seminary, from the School of Theology. So a pretty simple idea, but we're hoping it's very informative for everybody. Um, today, as we are in the heart of Lent, we're going to make a new podcast today, and we're going to talk about the Blessed Mother. Um, here to help us is Father Fred Miller from the uh, School of Theology here, an adjunct professor, also my spiritual director over at St. Andrew's uh, College Seminary. So, the Blessed Virgin Mary, one of your favorite topics. You're also a Mariologist, which I think is a very, very unique role in theology, but I think it's a very needed one. Um, so specifically, in regards to the Blessed Mother, um, let's go at this from the biblical angle first. We have you've got the Bible right there. So where do we, f- well, number one, the Blessed Virgin Mary isn't mentioned a whole lot in Scripture, specifically by name, I should say. There's plenty of veiled references. Um, so let's, let's get into that element first. Where do we find the Blessed Mother in Scripture? Well, in the New Testament, Mary is present at all of the important moments. So she's there at the moment that God reveals that he has a son and that he's going to send the son as a man into the world to save the world. And as a matter of fact, God makes that depend upon Mary's consent. Yeah, yeah. So at that moment, she is, um, we see really the glory of Mary and the glory of her mission of opening the door of the world to the Savior then obviously she's present and cares for him in his birth and his infancy. She presents him in the temple. And then the hidden life, we, the silence of the hidden life is only broken once when we have the passage about the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. Yeah, well, he's maybe what, 10, 11, 12 years old, something probably like that. Probably 12, 13, probably. Yeah. Um, then she's present at the miracle of Cana in Galilee at the very beginning of Jesus's public ministry. And again, just as her fiat was necessary in the Annunciation, you could read the Cana account and interpret it in such a way that it's her fiat to the beginning of the public ministry. Uh, so it's, it's uh, cause this is an interesting thing in regards to Jesus. And I think it's a good spiritual lesson for people. If you ever think you're leading a boring life, Jesus led a boring life. I mean, he didn't, I, there's these law, the, you know, 30 years, you know, he was, it's in the scriptures, and he would, was obedient to Joseph and Mary. You know, it's interesting. I just went for the first time to the Holy Land right after Christmas with the major seminarians here. And when we were in Nazareth, um, one of the scripture professors was giving a little lecture, and he said that um, it was very likely that Joseph resettled in Nazareth after returning from Egypt because Herod the Great was building a city, Sepphoris, which was maybe four or five miles from um, Nazareth. And that likely every day, Joseph, and then when Jesus was old enough, Jesus with Joseph would take that walk to Sepphoris and look for construction work. Mm. And it wasn't simple carpentry work. It really would be, from our way of thinking, more construction. They were construction <laughs> Contractor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that to think of that, that Jesus and Joseph walked maybe 10 miles every day. And part of that time, they were lugging around wood and tools and all that kind of stuff. So they were they were in good physical yeah, bet, condition. Yeah, and living on, uh, 
that good Mediterranean diet too would have been nice. Um, so specifically in regards to the Blessed Mother, I mean, clearly our Lord uses her in a very particular way in salvation history. But, you know, playing the, maybe coming from someone who disagrees with Catholicism on some notes, that's good and all. We're very, we, you know, Mary's great. We love Mary. But, but why do Catholics incorporate her so much into the spiritual life? And what role does she serve? Why do we pray to her? I think it's, it's helpful to look at the church's official teaching on Mary. When the church speaks formally about her, it says that she's mater et socia. She's the mother of the Redeemer, mother of the Son of God made man, but she's also his associate, his partner, his helpmate, mm. mater et socia, so that God wills her fiat before he would send his son into the world. God wills that Mary stay with Jesus right up to the cross and offer her sufferings with him and through him for us. It wasn't necessary, but God willed that. It was also God's will that she be present in the upper room when the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost. It was the birth God, of the church. Yeah, yeah the, to be, just as she was at the birth of Christ, so she's there at the birth of the church on Pentecost. Then taken into heaven, body and soul, in the mystery of the Assumption, God wills that she join Jesus in his intercession for every grace that we receive. Yeah. And then in some way... And this is where the church still needs to articulate how it happens. But in some way, she brings us every grace from Jesus and helps us to cooperate with it. Yeah, that's interesting. I've always thought um, a little analogy in my head, especially when I'm, I'm arguing with people maybe about how to understand this, because it, it, it does seem, well, why can't you just go straight to Jesus for your petitions? What is the purpose of going to taking this deviation, it would appear? But it's because it's because uh, God the Father chose that deviation. That's the that's the that's the main reason. I wouldn't he, say deviation. Yeah, I, would I mean, say, I'm, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, it's the plan of God. I mean, he could have. I heard from a priest one time, very funny. He said, he said, if Jesus wanted to save the world by simply appearing and handing out red balloons, he could have done that. Like th- this is within his power, but he chose a specific way to carry out salvation history. And that includes the fiat of the Blessed Mother, making her an integral part of, of, our, of our prayer life. Well, when you think of it, Matt, who influences mo- us most in our lives and our, at the level of our human nature, our mother and father? Yeah. That's, it's amazing how much we are, we become like our parents. Jesus is truly a man. And Mary and Joseph exercised a true formative role on his manhood. And, you know, the thing is, sometimes I, I get upset when you hear people who are anti-Catholic talking about Mary. If anybody talked about my mother the way yeah, yeah, yeah. people talk about Mary, I would be, you know, deeply offended. Yeah, yeah. And they should think maybe that Jesus this could might, be offensive yeah. to the Son of God. Yeah, Jesus might think that way, too. I've always, I've always ju- the, you mentioned the wedding feast at Cana. When people say, yeah, see, our Lord says, woman, what business is this, this of you? You know, what business do you have talking to me about this? And people go, see, look, she, he's speaking to her woman. Like he's saying, this is no concern of yours. And to act as though Jesus, the Messiah, was going to insult his Jewish mother in front of everybody and be dismissive to her. It, I mean, it just, it's not even, it's no, not it's even a t- reasonable. It's a title of reverence, and it's the way... Um, 
a father would, I'm sorry, a, a husband would address his wife mm. or a child, his parent. Um, and many of the, many theologians, ancient theologians heard in Jesus calling Mary woman at Cana and from the cross, a reference to Mary as the new Eve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it goes all the way back to the garden. Uh, the, yeah, the woman shall, uh, you will strike at her heel and she will crush your head. A wonderful thing to read on Mary as the new Eve. That's the first title the church used for Mary. Oh. The, the new Eve. Before the year 200, all over the world where there were Christians, Christians were honoring Mary under that title. And the point of it is that just as Eve brought sin into the world and led Adam into sin, Mary is the one who brings grace into the world through her fiat, and she assists Jesus in his work of restoring grace. Um, a let, the letter, John Henry Newman's letter to Pusey, the title is not, a, doesn't draw you into it. <laughs> it's a rather long letter that he wrote. It's brilliant, and it's a demonstration of the title, Mary, the New Eve, and the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. So any college student who's listening should round off their understanding of Christology and Mariology by reading John Henry Newman's letter to Pusey on the Immaculate Conception. And I think I don't think we can let this uh, this episode go without uh, mentioning Our Lady of Fatima briefly. It's her, you know, it's the hundred anniversary. And one of the, the other element I wanted to bring into this discussion was um, for those who don't believe in the power of the Blessed Mother that she does exercise real heavenly power. She was given this power um, to aid us, to help us to love her son. That's really her only job, is to help us love her son. That's all she wants to do. Um, so let's briefly talk about, just you know, in a minute, or, you know, it's hard to talk about it short, but uh, about uh, the apparition at Fatima. Well, you know, Pope Benedict XV was the uh, pontiff during the First World War, and the world had never known such a bloody, vicious combat. So in desperation, Pope Benedict went to Our Lady. I think he went to one of the Marian shrines in Rome and begged her to do something in desperation. Christians always do that. When yeah. there's desperation, they go to Mary and ask her help, her intercession. Well, it was in a matter of a few days that the first apparition of Fatima took place. Wow. Yeah. And with the message that to say the rosary, to perform acts of penance for peace is very important. Yeah, it's a perfect, uh, it's a perfect aid during this time of Lent, I think, uh, to, to remember the very simple, it's very simple, you know, do penance for sins, help pray for sinners. I mean, uh, there's another apparition, I think it's Our Lady of Akita, but it said there's nothing that consoles the heart of Jesus more than to pray for sinners. It's just very simple. Um, but profound. I mean, I think that's a, a mark of the Catholic spiritual life. Well, if, if you pray for sinners and I pray for sinners, in other words, those who are separated from God deliberately, then really what we're, we're participating in the work of Jesus. Exactly. And we're doing the work that the Blessed Mother right. is doing, mm -hmm. calling them back to exactly. her son, to her son. Yeah. Well, excellent. Uh, that was really good. Uh, do we? Uh, could you just end with a quick blessing for sure. the audience, please? Through the intercession of our Blessed Mother of Fatima, may Almighty God bless all of you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God.